Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude, a hospitality branding and design group. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Thank you for your support. In today's episode, we get the chance to talk with Ethan Orley, managing partner at BNA Associates and Oliver Hospitality, an award-winning Nashville-based concept development and management company focusing on hotels and food and beverage with a specific expertise in independent lifestyle brand development. During our discussion, we chat about the excitement and challenges of developing independent hotels, how it's possible to make smaller properties work, and the importance of managing with a purpose and giving your team opportunities to succeed. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Hey, Ethan, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, Jeremy and Dustin, good to be here. Yeah, glad you could uh, find some time. I know it's, you know, summer's kind of a hectic time for hoteliers and operators, and um, we're excited to spend a few moments here and get to know you a little bit better and let our listeners get to know you better too. So cool. Well, let's go ahead and dive right in. I think just for our listeners sake, you know, just tell us a little bit about all of our hospitality and, and you and just kind of your background and some of the projects you've been involved in um, up till now. Sure. Uh, happy to. So Oliver hospitality is one of two companies that I run along with my Business partner Philip Welker, uh, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, our two companies are BNA Associates and Oliver Hospitality. One BNA is our property development and ownership group, and Oliver Hospitality is our management company. But Oliver Hospitality definitely has a kind of a, a wider uh, kind of consumer uh, focused, um, you know, brand stand. Uh, uh, versus BNA is just really just a it's kind of our, our general partnership we used to develop and and and, and acquire properties um but like i said we're we're nashville based um personally i've been here for 8 years originally from uh suburban detroit and philip and i met in uh business school in new york it was uh, NYU in 2005 and uh you know, we both worked in the city for different companies. Um, Lehman Brothers collapse happened. We either lost our jobs or we weren't making enough to make it worthwhile to work who we were with at the time and started playing tennis together in the West Side Highway. And I said, Philip, what are you working on? And he goes, well, I'm trying to buy apartments down in Tennessee. And he said, what are you working on? And I said, well, I'm trying to buy anything I can, you know, uh, out in the Midwest. And he said, well, why don't we just try to do something together? I said, sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and, um, you know, wh- where that led was um, a partnership that started with one little property, uh, bought our first apartment deal together, happened to be in Clarksville, Tennessee, which at the time I'd never heard of. And I was kind of having a moment of like, wait a second, I'm buying a <laughs> my first commercial transaction in a town I've never heard of in a part of the country that, frankly, I'd flown over my whole life. And uh, we did that deal. We still own it today. And that was really a fantastic kind of first entree. And it was just six months later that um, we bought our first hotel project, which was at the time was the St. Oliver Hotel. It was a 28-room hotel, if you want to call it that, um, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Again, a town had never really spent any time 
um, in. I, I had, uh, I think, traversed through it um, on, on Highway 40 or I-75 going south um, and had a moment of like, wait a second, we're going to buy a hotel in a town that I've really never spent time in that most people didn't know much about. Um, and so that was really where it all started. Um, flash kind of forward, you know, after we closed, um, we converted it, uh, and rebranded as the Oliver hotel, um, because we thought St. Oliver kind of sounded like a cheap motel at the time. <laughs> we thought we'd kind of glam it up and everybody was putting in like the, in front of their hotel name at the time. So it's like, okay, <laughs> felt like the cool thing to do. Um, so it's the Oliver hotel. I could probably spend an hour talking about that specific project, but I'll kind of give you some highlights. Um, uh, you know, number one, it was an interesting deal because everyone in the hotel business told us, don't do it. It's in Knoxville. They don't need a boutique hotel. It's 28 rooms. You can't make money in a 28 room hotel. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all the reasons, Oh, you guys have never been in the hotel business before. Who's going to manage it. Who's going to run the bar? Who's going to run the restaurant? I mean, all the questions you would probably get from your uncle telling you why you should <laughs> a certain business. And you're like, but I think it's a good deal. And so, you know, we bought it at, at the heels of, um, you know, the recession or at least coming out of it and, you know, really got it for an incredible price at the time. Um, you know, looking back, you know, the only other use for it was to convert it to condos. No one was thinking about hotels in 2010. And so uh, Philip kind of took on construction and I took on, you know, management. I was, I had a little rental desk in uh, Tribeca in New York City when I was still living up there. And I was ordering pillows and toothbrushes and little shampoos and testing out property management systems and, you know, you know, trying to get the property back into the 21st century. Because for a long time, it was, it was run as almost like a personal residence. It was a, it was a doorbell. And if you wanted a room, you rang the doorbell and Robin wow. would greet you uh, with her paper calendar to see if she had you know, space for you upstairs. <laughs> so we really you know, did a, a full 180, but it had been built in... Um, in um in the 1980s for the world's fair and it was built as the vip hotel um, um and it was financed by the booker brothers um, um um who ended up going to jail many years later um uh because they were out there uh sloshing money around and and so this was we, we ended up being the beneficiary uh beneficiaries that um but um, it's um, it's it's funny because uh, you know all these you know all these Hollywood stars that stayed there during the the World's Fair, and then is you know a lot of towns you know post Olympics post World's Fair you know had you know really kind of went downhill because all that money dried up, and so Knoxville was no different. Uh, downtown dried up and was boarded up, and this this hotel really went nowhere. So anyway, long story short is we we reopened the hotel. You know a lot of paint. Uh, a lot of new carpet and uh, you know, just kind of off the, you know off the shelf and custom furniture, um, new branding. Uh, opened a cool speakeasy bar. Opened a Tupelo Honey Restaurant, which is the first you know restaurant outside of Asheville where they got their start. Um, you know, eventually a couple of years later, opened Oliver Royale Restaurant, and it was really this incredible process from start to finish. And it it was you know the number one hotel in Knoxville and I, to some degree still is, and it was just an incredible experience to kind of just get our hands dirty on a really small hotel that ended up being kind of the best of class in its town, and we learned the management business you know from the ground up. That's really that's really cool to hear that story and 
of how you guys kind of bootstrapped everything and, you know, just kind of went for it. I love those types of stories. And, you know, I had the chance actually to to visit the Oliver Hotel this past summer and and take a little tour of it. And um, it's just a really, really impressive and, and awesome uh, property you guys have built there and experienced. So really, really neat. I love hearing the the history of that and how you and Philip kind of did all that. And it's, it's kind of interesting. We've had a number of guests on the the podcast um, over the last couple of years that it seems like that time frame of, you know, like the mid to late two thousands through some of that, those economic issues and, and, you know, the, all of everything that happened along that. And you mentioned kind of on the heels of that, you were, you acquired the hotel and, and did a lot of the renovation. What do you think, you know, your experience kind of going through that 2008, 2009, you know, economy, like what did you learn going into that? And why did you see kind of, I guess, uh, you know, the silver lining or the opportunity um, in these, this type of property? I think, listen, timing is everything in real estate. And so, you know, it's, it's all about, I guess, applying timing is out of your control. Um, But, you know, you can always, you know, be ambitious. And if, you know, if you're not, if you don't meet, if you don't meet opportunity with, uh, with, with gusto, then you're nowhere. So, you know, I would say that we just kind of got lucky. You know, I could also look back and say, wow, like that was the best time in our life to go buy property. Why didn't we buy more? The reason is simple. We had no money. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, we weren't geniuses. I think it was just a very, it was a special time. And I haven't seen those types of you know, those types of opportunities arise and especially in the Southeast, you know, so the other, the other thesis of this was Philip and I, you know, we'd lived in New York, we'd been around the world and we both knew that middle America, I'll call it middle America. It's really not, but you know, everything between the coasts was, was, was wanting of that boutique hotel experience, James Beard restaurant, the, Kind of the, the you know the, the 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 kid that went off you know to the coastal cities and, and brought back you know their expertise. I mean, every town you had you know urban you know urban uh, you know you know rejuvenation has been going on for you know twenty five years in a lot of cities. But you know Knoxville you know it's semi recent. It's only the last you know fifteen years, and uh, you know Nashville has only kind of come up you know in the last 15 years and I mean you know in Detroit where I'm from it's only been the last you know eight or nine years so so we what we knew being students of, of real estate and being of the generation that wanted to see our historic buildings and our downtown areas kind of you know come back to life we, were, we, we didn't want to be part of the suburban sprawl of, of, yeah. of our generation and so we did know like oh wow like we probably shouldn't be developing in the Miamis, LAs, New Yorks, LAs. We should be developing in the secondary and tertiary markets of the country where people are starting to come back, raise young families, but they want that big city experience of the great restaurants and the high design. So we knew that. Um, um, but, you know, and, and by the way, 21C and a lot of other hotel groups saw the same thing. Louisville, Lexington, St. Louis, um, Bentonville. Um, you know, we ended up, you know, um, you know, falling to other markets, uh, you know, Nashville, Atlanta, uh, you know, now we're in Oxford, Mississippi, um, and in South Lake Tahoe. Um, and so we, we, you know, we, but, but I think the overall theme for us has been find secondary and tertiary markets that still have not yet experienced 
um, having those types of properties and they know what they're like. They're like, oh, we saw this in this other town. Why can't we have one here? So that met with, you know, grit, determination and good timing kind of led us to where we are today. That's really smart. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds like it's this combination of great timing and just understanding like placement, being strategic about which areas are hungry for the types of uh, projects that you guys are putting together. And then I think also just a a strong brand vision. I see that with um, a lot of your hotels and projects, just like uh, a really thoughtfully designed and unique experience that you've created from a from a brand experience standpoint. Maybe give us some insight into uh, the inspiration there and and how you approach projects. Sure. By the way, I, I have to I have to go back and correct. I said Booker Brothers. It was actually the Butcher Brothers that <laughs> ended up financing the 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 Knoxville Hotel amongst others back in the 1980s they just um, sound like they should be in prison like you said <laughs> oh my god there's, there's a book I, I i still have to read the book but it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a famous it's a well-known name i think some people <laughs> lost a lot of money but it's kind of one of those classic you know uh you know scenarios from that era but i've always had you know a design um you know urge i've always just loved good architecture and art and graphic design and i've always been attracted to that just in general um i think philip has also had an eye for design he liked um you know just 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 kind of great execution um he and i both had traveled uh considerably in in high school and college um stayed a lot of great hotels a lot of just crappy hotels as well Mm -hmm. um and i think we knew the difference and i think we were both attracted to independent hotels uh, probably for different reasons, um, uh, but we both wanted to create our own vision. And I think the idea of just buying into a franchise was just like not going to get us up in the morning. And so that was never an option ever. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about necessarily the money. Um, it was about, I think, obviously making sure our projects were economically and financially feasible and sound but exciting and something we could be very, very proud of um, and something we could put our heart into. And, and hopefully actually, you know, you know, we, we talk about this as well, like, well, if we get it dialed in to where the design and the graph design is really good and theoretically costs us the same to execute as a franchise hotel, but we save the seven, eight or 9% franchise fees, then we automatically come out ahead. So it, it wasn't just about, you know, oh, we want to be able to put our name on it. It was like, oh, we can put our name on it. It can be ours. We can be proud of it. People would be like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. And we can make more money. And so who doesn't want that? Um, it was a total win-win. You know, as far as, you know, design inspirations, um, you know, when I was in New York, the Ace Hotel made its debut in Midtown. And I think that changed you know, a lot of people's kind of conception of what a hotel lobby experience could be like. You know, I, I give a lot of credit to, you know, our our our, our kind of our forebearers. You know, you got you know, the Ian Schragers and the Kimptons, and you know, um, you know, you got Alex Calderwood, uh, who really you know made a huge impact in kind of changing people's perceptions of of what that boutique experience is. Which, by the way, 
you know, everything was boutique before the Howard Johnson's and, and holiday ants. Everything was just, you know, a very kind of, you know, uh, you know, I was either a beautiful five-star, you know, uh, classic European standard hotel, or it was a bed and breakfast, but it was all personalized. It's only been this, you know, you know, 80 year period, uh, uh, or maybe 60 year period of, of kind of, you know, the franchise cookie cutter. And so I think, um, you know, Philip and I loved the standards and the aces, um, and the, um, you know, the other, you know, the BD hotels in New York city where we spent a lot of time. And I think it was automatic that we were going to make our hotels to kind of, you know, to, to rise to that design level and graphic design execution. And so when we opened our first few hotels, we you know automatically called upon um, interior design groups um, in uh, in New York, specifically in Brooklyn. Um, and when it came down to graphic design, we really tried to find some really kind of you know fantastic partners you know, in that regard as well. That kind of spoke that slightly irreverent language that really resonated with both of us. Yeah, that's that's really. Really interesting. I love kind of the the peek behind the curtain is from your thinking and and your approach. You know, you touched on something we've heard a lot, even just you know at Longitude with a lot of our clients who are kind of considering. You know, they have a a property that's you know coming up on the franchise agreement that's ending, and they're kind of going back and forth of, you know, should I sign up again with the franchise agreement or should I rebrand this and reposition it and do my own thing? And I think you touched on like you know kind of the the sexier part, so to speak, of like having that brand freedom and, you know, being able to implement your own voice and and design and interiors and have control over that. I think one thing that we hear a lot too, and, and I'm sure you guys, you know, have solved for this over the years, but just like the, the perceived safety of like the chain as far as distribution and, you know, getting, uh, you know, having those marketing dollars and that support and, and just the distribution through all the channels and et cetera. How have you guys um, kind of managed that over the years for all of your properties and helped, um, you know, uh, improve that upon, you know, what the chains might offer? Great question. You sound like the uh, chief credit officer of every bank I've ever had to <laughs> or bank loan. Um What's your reservation system? Well, you know, you know, Mr. and Mrs., you know, chief credit officer, there was no such thing as a reservation system as there was in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. The internet changed all of that. Now, people have points. Loyalty matters a lot. And that's a challenge. I think the way we've thought about this is if we're sub 100 keys and we have a really striking property and there's not as much competition, as there are, you know, it's not crazy. We should be able to strike off, strike out on our own, and 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 get our fair share of market with or without a reservation system or a loyalty program. Now you start, you know, crawling up to 150 keys, 200, 300. I think it changes everything. If you don't have a strong brand, um, you know, a, a, you know, it, it's kind of based in a primary city where, where people are like, oh wow, like so and so stayed there. I mean, that gets a lot more challenging. I don't think, um, you know, I'm willing to take on all that risk um, today. But I think if you're sub 100 keys and you have a really special product with a great F and B program, I, I think I think there's plenty out there in, in, in methods of, of advertising between Google AdWords um, and uh, uh, you know uh, you know local you know word of mouth marketing that 
you can survive um, and thrive. And, and there are great examples of that, that, and I won't bore you with what those are, but the independent brands have continued to you know, uh, strengthen. Um, but there is a place 100% for the franchises, and they're very, very smart with their branding. And um, you know, we've considered it um, for larger properties um, you know, here and there. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's the less but better mindset. And I think you articulated it well. If you've got uh, 300 rooms you're trying to fill, maybe that's a little different story. But when you're trying to do something really unique and special um, and you don't have a massive number of uh, beds to fill, like you can find the people who care about that and are willing to uh, take the risk on on a property that maybe they've never been to before or heard of before. Yeah. And some people are kind of working the hybrid model, you know, the, the curios, the autographs, the God, you know, the, the unbound collections. I mean, there's a zillion soft brands, which is basically you're paying the same thing. Um, I'd almost rather, I mean, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So I don't want to blanket statement, you know, for those people who are listening to this podcast, um, because there's a time and place for everything, but you know, if you got a great design, you know, you know, you can always, as somebody pointed out to me years ago, if you have a great hotel with a great design, you can always go back to the corporates and they will gladly sign your business up to be a franchise. But on the front end, if you're able to get out um, in front of the, in front of a customer base and, and thrive without them, you know, it's a, it's a sure way to, to, to pocket an extra seven or 8%. Um, and so, you know, I won't, I won't call others who do it a cop-outs by any stretch, because at some point, you know, you got to do with your lenders and your equity investors require. Um, and again, there's a time and place for everything. Um, but, um, but it's definitely a much easier world to live, uh, to, to, to execute in, I think today. Um, although a lot of people are doing what we're doing today. Um, and and so it has gotten more, you know, you're not the only the boutique hotel, you know, game in town. Everyone has access to great designers as well. So things can constantly evolve, as you know. Yeah. And just piggybacking on your point there, I mean, as you mentioned, a lot more people are looking at doing that. So it can actually, you know, for the certain type of property could be a detriment to be encumbered for, you know, a 10, 20 year period. Uh, with a franchise agreement whenever you come to like want to sell it or, you know, um, you know, exit that property. So, you know, we've had a number of different, you know, deals that we've looked at where it's been, you know, it's a great property, but, you know, it's just, it's encumbered for this period of time and you don't want to have to pay the, the, the fees to, to step away. <laughs> the fee to get out from you know un, under the you know the claw of 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 that very thick HMA. So you know we've really really been fortunate um, to have fantastic uh, partners, investors, lenders. Sometimes it takes you know a hundred phone calls to get to the right group that <laughs> says you know what we like you guys and we think this is a you know a risk worth taking. And, you know, it's taken us a little bit longer to get there. Um, but, you know, we've we've managed to create, you know, much more latitude and independence with our decision making. Um, so, um, you know, the other the other part, not to kind of drag this out, but like, you know, there are some markets. I'll give you an example. Detroit, you know, 
I'd love to do a project in Detroit. Um, and, and there's some great hotels up there between the foundation, the Shinola, the siren, um, um, and, uh, and, and, and I'm missing one other one. Um, they are all independent and it's funny. It's almost like a cartel, right? So like, uh, maybe it's the opposite of a cartel, but if they all kind of hold their ground and don't go, you know, you know, you know, brand, uh, or franchise where they're paying a fee, then, you know, consumer, you know, Joe and Jane really are going, Hey, what are the four best hotels in this market? And, you know, there are no loyalty points at that point and they're fine with it. You know, again, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's all about the market and who you're competing against. And, um, you know, there's, you just have to look at each market on a case by case basis. And that really kind of dictates usually how we enter the market and what we're willing to acquire and and what decisions we ultimately make. Yeah, Ethan, you've you've had a chance to kind of be on a lot of different sides of this from acquisition to development, ownership and management. What what would you say is the most challenging part of uh, this business? And what do you think is the most gratifying? (laughs) Oh, God, you know, you know, I would say that most people would say that people management is it's a love-hate relationship. You know, mm. managing people takes a lot of effort. It's also the most gratifying when it works out well. When you get uh, your team working together and you accomplish a goal. And, you know, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we had this uh, farm-to-table dinner for a restaurant called Ellington's at the Fairlane Hotel in Nashville. Um, you know, we hosted it through Edible Nashville, a local uh, food-oriented magazine. And, you know, we had our GM, our chef, uh, our director of food and beverage, our beverage director from a different hotel, um, and our new pastry chef, uh, who's insanely talented, all working together, put on the most incredible dinner. And it put such a big smile on my face. And I don't care how much work it it, you know, it, it took to get there, you know, it, and it was worth every, you know, minute of my time to see that team working together. And, 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 and so when you, when you manage, you're building teams and, um, you know, you have to work slowly and methodically you have to gain the trust. You got to build the culture. That's a totally different game, as you know, than, you know, building a building, building a building is all about just, timing and budget and execution and managing, you know, um, you know, every single dollar. Um, and, you know, you can go home at the end of the night and be like, okay, the next morning there, you know, it's a GMP and they're going to complete the project. Um, you know, between the two, you know, I, I like working with graphic designers and interior designers. I love the design aspect of it. So I think, I think, you know, you know, I'd like to say that it's easier to be on the construction finance side, but when things go right on the management side, it is it is a incomparable feeling to see your team succeed. And so I won't give you a straight answer, but I'll just tell you they both have their challenges and they both have their their uh, their 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 um, their their upside. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Kind of shifting gears to just one of your more recent projects the station house and that one's in south lake tahoe right yeah so you know philip and i had this rule where we'd only do a property that was a four-hour drive from nashville and you know he broke the rule 
It's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit further. Like, uh, I got this uh, email from a hotel in South Lake Tahoe. I'll just fly out there and take a look. I'll call you tomorrow when I get there. <laughs> Calls me, goes, Ethan, we got to do the deal. I go, you got to be kidding me. It's two flights away plus an hour drive. <laughs> you could have picked a further location from Nashville. He said, hey, listen, you know, it's it's a really cool post and beam 1970s style exterior corridor hotel two blocks from uh, the banks of South Lake. And it's a Best Western. And this thing does not want to be a Best Western. It did in 1970, <laughs> but now it does not want to be a Best Western. And we've been talking about, you know, doing one of these projects, you know, all of our friends were doing, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, motel, you know, you know, turnarounds of the Catskills, right? You know, um, or you know, in Montauk, uh, uh, or or what you guys are doing, um, you know, um, uh, you know, with your projects. And so we kind of had, you know, Project Envy. It's like mm-hmm. that's a bucket list, <laughs> you know, type project. We want to convert a cool '70s motel, so we did it, and. Um, and uh, you know, rented, you know, we actually did all the interior design ourselves as wow. a personal challenge because we didn't have that many projects going on in 2019. Um, so we did the interior design ourselves. We flew overseas. We picked up all the, you know, got all the furniture, shipped it over, soup to nuts. Um, it was a very long yet extremely satisfying project. Though we did open up in 2020 in the middle of COVID. So that was a challenge, no different than anybody else experienced. And as it turns out, flash forward to today, South Lake Tahoe is having a bit of a renaissance. Um, you know, we we were not the first to do what we did. Uh, Base Camp, um, you know, was first to market ten years ago, and then um, Justin over at Coachman did an incredible job with that property. And so we thought, okay, well, you know, they did it; they were successful. We could probably kind of, you know. Um, you know, be successful on the heels of their accomplishments. And so that was also just like, hey, great property, good basis, um, and a really good opportunity to work on a on a, on a, on a, on a property that had really great bones uh, with a great location. Yeah. Yeah. I would just, I would love to visit that property. Just looking at the photos, it just looks so like such a unique design and aesthetic. I didn't even have I had no clue you guys did that yourself. So that's, uh, that's really awesome. So great work. Yeah. When I first came across station house, I told Jeremy that is one of my favorite hotel projects I've ever seen. Yeah. Like you guys are too kind. <laughs> it, it resonates yeah. with me. Well, it, I think, I think we both have kind of an affinity for that kind of that campy, slightly irreverent, you know, but with a theme that kind of harkens back to like a different, a different generation. So we really want to kind of play up that seventies and not just not just do uh you know Edison light bulbs and uh you know wood paneling if you will <laughs> yep cool kind of um shifting gears uh, to the another topic here. I know that you know all of our hospitality from from what we've gathered, you guys are really intentional about giving back and um you know doing you know community involvement and things like that but what is what does that look like to you guys and how do you guys approach that? So, you know, we started doing, um, you know, a few things, uh, you know, back several years ago with our restaurant, Oliver Royale out of Knoxville. And, you know, one of our team members, uh, Sandra Richardson, I think really, really kind of spearheaded it. And, and so she was instrumental in getting us involved in, in the local food bank um, and hosting fundraiser dinners at our restaurant. 
And, uh, you know, we've continued to, um, you know, promote that at all of our hotels and restaurants. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I won't, I won't tell you that it's kind of an official policy, but it's kind of something that we do. Um, and we'd like to do more of, and, um, you know, you know, I'll also say that, you know, because it was the right thing to do during COVID when, you know, people were losing their, losing their apartments, losing their income, you know, we, we generated, uh, we, we created a small, you know, employee, uh, kind of financial aid fund as well. Um, that, that, um, just, again, just felt like the right thing to do. It was, uh, no questions asked, bring in your receipts for, you know, food utility bills and we'll get it paid on the spot. And that was that. Uh Um, And so, you know, I think it goes a long way, you know, with your, with, 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 you know, your entire, um, you know, entire, you know, team that they know that like, Hey, like, it may only be a dollar. It may only be a hundred dollars, but like these are people that you know, if, if you know if things really fall apart, like I might have a chance of getting a second, you know, second chance here. And I think I think it's just setting that culture of hey, we're you know we're, we're not, we we can't give everybody everything, but like we're here to help you, and we're here to expand your career opportunities as well. And so I think it's just a more of a you know, it's not necessarily, you know, every, you know, 1% towards the planet or, you know, 10% of our bottom line. I mean, it's more of just the mentality of, Hey, we got to do the right thing. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, whether people recognize it or not, whether we do it anonymously or, or upfront, um, you know, it sends, it sends the right message to the community and to our local team. Yeah. Just matter of being a, a good human sounds like, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, I mean, that's what hospitality is, right? Just like caring about people, uh, making them feel special, meeting needs, uh, letting them feel seen and heard and and sacrificing um, on the behalf of others. So that that kind of came up in a previous answer as well. So that's just really inspiring. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I've, and I, you know, I think, um, you know, you guys probably read the book, you know, Setting the Table and and, you know, we've all kind of, you know, you know, been, you know, uh, I think somewhat, I've at least kind of been a, a minor devotee to kind of the, 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 you know, the motto of, well, take care of your employees first and the rest will get taken care of. Mm. I don't, I don't really think about our guests and how they're being taken care of because I know that we're, we're bringing in folks into our company that are hospitality minded. And as long as we're treating them with respect, the rest gets taken care of. So, you know, I don't mean to be dismissal of, 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 of our guests, um, but they are being taken care of because we are taking care of our crew. And I try to, um, you know, be a, a pretty, you know, casual down to earth door open policy type of a leader and I hope that resonates. I think it has. Yeah, absolutely. As you look to the future, what are you most excited about? I know you've got a couple projects kind of in the works. And what does the future of Oliver Hospitality look like for you guys? So right now we've got uh, six operating hotels and we've got two more construction projects in the pipeline. We should probably be at around eight hotels and hopefully... 24 months. Um, but with construction, anything is possible. We've got a really interesting project out in California called 
Right now it's called Marconi Conference Center and it'll be rebranded as Lodge at Marconi. Uh, we were uh, given the opportunity to manage uh, the Marconi Historic State Park, which is an hour north of San Francisco on Tamales Bay, a uh, really gorgeous part of the country. And um, uh, we will be investing a considerable amount of money to uh, renovate um, a, a, a number of uh, turn of the century and 1970s buildings um, uh, for both um, accommodation units, housing units um, for employees and uh, conference center and event space. And so it's a really exciting, fun project. Again, another bucket list project. I think that's, I think it's kind of how we run our business. It's like, oh, we've always wanted to do a hotel that's like X. And, <laughs> and so, you know, no two project is the same, which is, uh, which is a challenge, but it keeps things really interested. And our, our sales team and an ops team, I think, enjoy the fact that we can go from a city hotel um, you know, our, our, for example, you know, the Claremont in Atlanta has, you know, the world famous Claremont Lounge adult entertainment bar in the basement. Um, you know, from that to, um, you know, Marconi State Park, which is, which is really a kind of a, you know, an environmental educational playground, you know, in a, one of the most beautiful, um, you know, preserved parts of the country is really a fun kind of challenge. Um, and it's also, I think, a, a nice reprieve that you can kind of, you know, put two different hats on at, at any time of the day. Um, in addition to that, we're working on um, the Andrew Johnson uh, uh, project, which will uh, end up being rebranded as the Hotel Americana. It's a 160,000 square foot, 12 story red brick, 1920s high rise in downtown Knoxville. Um, we've been working on it for about five years. And that'll yield around 169 suites. We're going to do a dinner supper club with music, uh, with a music venue. We're doing a jazz club. Um, it's a really big, exciting project. It's our kind of, um, it's our it's our chance to again come back to uh, a city where we got our start in the hospitality business, where we have a, I, I think uh, you know a good reputation and um, you know a committed. Uh, an excited audience, um, and we're about to really kind of just jump to a whole other level there. Um, we have a great urban renewal project in downtown Clarksville, Tennessee, which is 45 minutes northwest of Nashville. We're doing a, um, a project uh, that encompasses um, a large hotel, um, eight restaurants around a, 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 an outside mall, and a, and, a, and a large parking deck to support both um, the restaurants and a brand new 5,000 seat stadium that um, that the, uh, uh, the city and county of Clarksville um, just uh, put put together. So wow. some really exciting uh, projects, you know, ranging from you know state parks to urban renewals um, in, in in kind of tertiary markets in Tennessee. And I think that's ultimately what you know keeps us going is just having fun with what we do and executing at at a very kind of professional level with a very dedicated team. Um, and, and just to kind of answer the last piece, which is I grow the company. I wake up every morning thinking about giving our team opportunity. <laughs> People want to grow. They want to make more money. Uh, they want to see the world. And so if I'm not growing, they're not happy with me. So frankly, I'm in my position, frankly, 
for our team members. And uh, as funny as that sounds, I think it's partially true. They, you know, I work for them. They don't work for me. I promise you. <laughs> that keeps it fun. That's so cool. Those are incredible projects. Can't wait to see them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to to see the progress over the coming years and just follow along with BNA and Oliver um, Hospitality and just you guys are doing incredible work, Ethan. So um, thank you for taking a few moments and and chatting with us. And um, is there any uh, way that people can get a hold of you guys or find out more? Sure. I think um, best website for us is oliverhospitality.com. Um, and they're welcome to reach out to me personally at Ethan at bna-re.com that's spelled bravo november alpha hyphen re like real estate um and that's about uh, as complicated of a domain that i will ever want to buy <laughs> <laughs> awesome ethan thank you so much for joining us it was a pleasure it was my pleasure as well appreciate you guys and look forward to working with you guys again soon yeah we'll see you around i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the future hospitality podcast if you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Longitude, you can visit longitudebranding.com to see our portfolio of design work, read our insights blog, and learn more about our team. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Longitude Branding.